Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! This has been a week. Every week is a week, but this has been a week. I've got Neil Gage on this episode. As you probably, you know, I always say who I've got on, but I'm assuming some people can read the title of the episode. So there it is. So yeah, Neil Gage on this week's episode is like two dudes just chumming it up. Kind of old school as I adjust my chair. Kind of old school where we just kind of talk and similar to when I would meet people at a bar or at a coffee shop or something like that, where my goal, my first goal was to get them to forget that there were microphones. So clearly at a bar, it was easier as the day or night went on. At a coffee shop, not as much, but um, this one with Neil, we just talked, man. We just had a good time. So I don't know how much you will get out of this as far as, um, you know, it, it's very all over the place. It's very ADHD, but you're going to get a lot of stuff. It's just not like kind of this, this is like a package being delivered by DHL. Like it's going to be kind of a rough looking delivery as opposed to, you know, something from FedEx, right? You know, where it's all clean and tidy and in everything looks the same. Uh, this one is a, is a DHL package where we're just talking, man, and, and making a lot of great points. If I do say so myself, um, some things are controversial, uh, in my opinion, but, uh, maybe not. I don't know, man. Uh, Neil did before we got this, before we recorded, or excuse me, after we recorded, let me get my English words right. After we recorded this, he did announce that he was changing schools so that we do not talk about that in this episode. Uh, but he is now the head director at Milby High School. Um, but that we did not discuss that. Uh, he was still at Westside when we recorded this almost two months ago. Um, so it's been, it's been a while since I've seen the way. Speaking of singing, uh, so last Friday, um, I think I'd already recorded my intro, but last Friday I was coerced into attending a callback audition the next Saturday, so a week ago today. Uh, I was asked by somebody that I've known for a long time, a music director, her name is Cameron, um, and she asked me to attend a callback audition at Class Act Productions where I have been designing lights, dabbled in some scenic design with them as well, uh, stage managed, even directed um, a bit while I was, you know, during my time there since 2002. And I've never acted. And she said, you want to be in Drowsy Chaperone? And I was like, "I sure, I would be, but I'm not going to like go out of my way to try very hard. I'll show up to the callback. I'll read some lines. You know, I'll have a good time. When they asked me if I had a song prepared, I said, no, you asked me to be here. I can sing you a little happy birthday to you. Um, but uh, anyways, so I got casted in the show. I'm now underling, which is a great role. A great role for me, too, 
because I can reprise pretty much the same role that I did my senior year in high school in Something's Afoot as Colonel Gilweather um, with a horrible British accent, a halfway decent singing voice, and a pair of two left feet. So if you're interested in seeing uh, me on stage at the end of May, uh, May 26th through 28th, and then June 2nd through 4th, I'll be on stage in the Drowsy Chaperone. And this cast is phenomenal. And I know you're supposed to say that, right? But, and I've seen, um, so class act used to be just all high school kids were in shows, uh, middle school and high school, a uh, couple of elementary school. And then started ooching its way to having some college kids. And now I'm 41 next week um, and I'm in the show. Uh, the woman playing Drowsy is older than me. Um, most of the cast are adults over 21, shall I say. Uh, so Class Act has kind of adjusted some things, changed some things. That said, the talent in this cast is very good. Um, it's very, very good. I'm actually like super excited. I'm working opposite Sarah Ryan, who is Tottenham. Uh, no, I said that wrong. That's the soccer team. But anyway, <laughs> she's working opposite me. <laughs> I should have my script. Um, she's working opposite me, uh, and I love Sarah. I've known her for probably 20 years now. Um, she hasn't grown an inch, uh, but she's a gorgeous, talented, very funny, uh, great kid, great kid, great adult, uh, and just really, really fun. So I'm excited about that. Um, that's coming up. Uh, I posted some stuff about my big old set. Yeah, that's right. A big old set, uh, posted not just a picture of it compared to what it should look like the Chateau d'If, uh, but I also posted a video, kind of a tour of it and it, it, it did really well. I mean, I wasn't posting it to like have a lot of likes and comments and stuff. I don't typically do that. What I typically do is post things so that you can see what you can do. And it's funny because a lot of people said, I would never be able to do that. And you can. Like, we built this set. Yeah, we have a full, pretty much a full-time carpenter. Um, but it took a long time uh, to build this set. And you can if you aren't a freaking crazy person doing, you know, six, seven, eight shows a year. So you, you have to sacrifice, right? Um, but uh, if you are interested in seeing that, just check out my Facebook page or Instagram or whatever. Uh, and as I record this, my, my wife is waiting at a, an emergency vet uh, with one of our dogs, our older dog, Juju, uh, who we got back in 2016. She's only eight, but she's a larger dog, so they don't live as long. But we're having a little freak out right now. Freak out, freak out, freak out um, about Juju. She's She hasn't been eating she's been shaking and she's been whatever so you know old hashtag thoughts and prayers for old juju uh, i'll have an update for you next week but um uh if you heard my phone in the background it's because i'm waiting for her to give me the all clear or the all dead or whatever it is um there there you have my personality there uh but let's move on. let's move on to neil gage uh after that that was a great Great segue. Great segue. So this is a longer one, so I'm going to shut up. Uh, I hope everybody's doing well. Congratulations to the state finalists. Uh, I am not doing an episode this year with all 
12 or with 12 state finalists. I just, I literally don't have time before state. Uh, our show count of Monte Cristo is open right now. It closes tomorrow as I record this or today as you listen. Uh, and then I am in drowsy chaperone, uh, rehearsals. And then the following week we have our big dance show, which is crazy. Um, so I just don't have time to do all that before state. So congratulations to those people that, um, advanced special congratulations to Kempner high school, Bush high school directors that, uh, you know, I'm friends with, I'm friends with a lot of you, but congratulations, especially to those two, uh, enjoy this episode with the one, the only, I believe it's pronounced Nial Gaget. I was born and raised in Southeast Texas, uh, Orange, Texas. I went to little Cypress Mauriceville high school and, uh, Instead of being normal in that city, uh, my family was Mormon. And, you know, while I don't, you know, I'm not anymore. So, but I just want to throw that out there because that really colored it like how I saw the world. There was a certain, I don't know, an innocence, a naivete of like, uh, here is my life, but I'm not in control of any of the decisions of it. And so that really sort of pointed me in a certain direction, uh, philosophically, religiously. However, I was also born to two uh, theater parents. My mom was, uh, she was an English teacher first, but she was also an actress. Most of my uh, childhood memories involved being at the Orange Community Players, uh, being in a show with mom. And then dad was there because he wanted to be near mom. And so he just decided he was a techie. He, he knew how to build stuff. He liked lights, things like that. So we were definitely a theater family. I grew up with two brothers. And, uh, it was, it was really cool to just, you know, we, we would leave church early on Sunday, which was scandalous because we had a matinee show to go to. Right. So I've always been around that stuff. Always been involved in local theater. Every, every, uh, city I've ever moved to. One of the first things I wanted to do was find a local theater, go be in a show. Cause like you can make connections, you make friends there. You find people that are just as weird as you in the same ways. Right. Um, inevitably I, you know, I got real serious about my religion. I went to Brigham Young University, which is the Mormon college and, uh, lived that life. I went on a two year mission. I was one of those guys with the name tags and the, you know, the white shirt and tie knocking on your door, did all of that stuff. Um, and then for a certain amount of time, I kind of lost myself in all of that. Right. So for me, uh, my late twenties, early thirties, that's right about when I started teaching. Uh, I was originally a choir teacher because that's what I had principally done in school. I was a music guy. I was, you know, band, all region band, all region jazz band, all state choir, all of these kinds of things. Uh, and I started to sort of drift back to that and that felt really great. So, you know, professionally I was getting paid to do the things that I already liked doing. And then, uh, you know, I got into some professional acting for a while. Uh, I, I, I was in a couple of commercials. I had a, one speaking part on a TV show. Funny story. Uh, I was so excited. It was the first time I had ever spoken on camera. And it was for this TV show on WGN called Salem. And it's loosely based off the Salem witch trials. But these witches are actually witches, right? 
So that's the WGN storyline that they're going with. And I, I got on one episode. I had a scene with one of the leads in the show where I'm like this uh, uh, guard, this, uh, I forget what they call it, some kind of a soldier of some kind. And the lead character is trying to leave the city. And I say, no, you can't do that. You got to get permission now. Well, I was so excited. I had done this thing. I went out to the location. We shot in Louisiana. I was telling all my friends, everybody needs to tune in to watch this episode. And when the episode aired, they replaced my voice entirely. Like it was somebody, somebody else. And it was so like, it was exciting, but also embarrassing at the same time. I don't know. Like <laughs> you were, the, you were just a vessel. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I moved the plot forward. Yeah. I was, you know, <laughs> part of the story, but it, that was not my voice. And then I had to, you know, field a whole bunch of what the hell questions from all my friends. <laughs> who was who that that was speaking when your mouth was moving? Um, so, yeah, so I, I pursued that uh, professional acting stuff for a while. Uh, even went so far as to pack all my shit and move to L.A. Uh, but at the same time, I had met someone that I had fallen madly, deeply in love with. And I was trying to ignore that. <laughs> so I spent probably, I don't know, uh, I moved out to L.A. in August of uh what was it 2021 and i moved back in december of the same year because i just i realized that that wasn't the dream for me anymore so like i had built up this whole idea in my head you know i'm a theater teacher i'm an actor i've been doing this my whole life i'm gonna go and you know conquer la or whatever and then i got there and i was like yeah no i don't like it yeah now i i would move back to la tomorrow just because i love the city right like i thought it was cool being there uh don't need to don't need to act anymore like right. i you know as a member of sag aftra i suspended my membership i stopped auditioning i'm just like mm, no this is fine so here i am back teaching theater at the high school level and i just i love it yeah well and you're good at it. i love witness i you know i got to witness you a couple weeks ago well, or whatever a week and a half ago and you the kids seem to have bought into your personality so the kids have bought in, and we've we've done some good work. I don't, I, yeah. I mean, I could get into a whole conversation. I don't think this year was my strongest work effort, but uh, well, the show looked beautiful. Um, it, you know, I don't, you, I don't you. pay, I don't pay too much attention to the storytelling element because I've got to do other things while your show's happening. But right, uh, it right. definitely looked gorgeous and it was cohesive. And anyway, enough about me. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, real quick, you so you just said you went to L.A. from August to December? Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's fine. Whatever you want to do is fine, but I got to ask you something and we've mm. already alluded to it. You, you went for the last two and a half months of baseball season yet you became a Dodgers fan. <laughs> like, <laughs> So I don't, I don't know what this says about me, but here's the honest truth. Uh, it was probably 2019 when I was starting to seriously consider, Hey, I'm going to pack up right. and, and I'm going to go do the thing. Uh, and so I had started to save some money and I was like, you know what, if I'm going to move to that city, I want to just, uh, what's the word? Assimilate. I'm just going to assimilate. Right. So I started following Dodgers. I started following Lakers. Uh, I still, to this day, will tell you that I'm a Rams fan before I'm a Houston Texans fan. (laughs) Well, that's okay. And, 
and and so like i just sort of yeah i bought the hats i bought the merch i like i went out there i put the little thing on my car i did all of that stuff because in my mind when i went there like i was going there to stay right i was just gonna be from california yeah. from that point on uh i changed my phone number i had a had an east la phone number 323 number um i don't know i like part of it was like you go on this journey of um law of attraction manifesting right so you just start to put yourself there and i'm like i don't know how to save money but i figured out how to save some money to get there right. i don't know what it's going to look like when i get there well i i happened to have a friend who had an extra bedroom and he put me up immediately you know things worked out and i was i was really grateful for that but i feel like part of it was because i was just saying hey i'm in this is how far i'm in i'm gonna be a dodgers fan <laughs> so do you think that do you think the astros cheated <laughs> I think I think even Astros fans know that they cheated. Yeah, I know. Here's here's what I would say is that uh, Dodgers cheated too. Yeah. Yankees cheated. They've all cheated. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Is what we used to say when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, I I hold no animosity to any team for trying to get that edge. I will say uh, one of the <clears throat> most disappointing things uh, in my life happened to me a couple days ago, and that was when I was watching the. World Baseball Classic with Puerto Rico versus Israel. And, you know, I, I'm rooting for Israel because I'm Jewish. Uh, I'm not Israeli at all. No part of me is even remotely nationally Israeli. But, you know, just that seeing that star David on the hat, and you know, it kind of resonates with me. But yeah. the reason I was so disappointed wasn't because they got their asses handed to them. Uh, what It was because Jock Peterson is on the Israeli team. <laughs> And I can't stand that guy. But <laughs> for those you're people trying to root for him, yeah. but you're like, oh yeah, pearl necklace guy. Yeah, like anyway, so a lot of people if know him from the If you think about it, like the whole idea and this is not my bit, like I've heard this from other people and like comics, like so we're cheering for these people because they wear a certain color shirt. Yeah. Not <laughs> because they're actually from that place right. or that that means anything. Like, we're just, I don't know, there's certain things we do in our life because they're fun and they're just kind of stupid. And I think sports is one of those things, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I also am a fan of, you know, cheesy reality TV shows. Like, uh, so. Like my Real World? Wife, Well, my ex-wife and I would watch The Bachelor. Okay. I'm more into Bachelor in Paradise, which is all the cast off <laughs> characters from The Bachelor still clinging desperately to try to find this idea of love somewhere that's my jam right there yeah. i will drunkenly watch that and Why? recite every every line of dialogue what is uh, it about that so <laughs> the narcissist in me everything in this world serves <laughs> to amuse me so, <laughs> i don't know um i i think it's it's funny to watch people I, you and i both know when you put a camera in front of somebody it changes how they are right right and these people are all well aware in these reality shows that uh, there's a camera in their face. Right. They have a microphone on in most cases. Uh, they've been challenged or prepped or primed by the producers to feel a certain way. They've been cut off from their uh, cell phones and internet, and they have they have an open bar in most cases. And that's just a recipe for drama, right? And so as a theater teacher, as an actor, as a longtime, you know, advocate of the arts, I love it. 
So do you, are you like Truman Burbank? Do you think you're like living in the Truman show? And, uh, right <laughs> now this podcast episode is actually, I'm just an actor that's getting you to talk. <laughs> I, I wish I was that important. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Well, I know I am. So, uh, so, uh, bef- before you, um, before you went on your excursion, the the and and before this contest that I saw you at, the last time I saw you, you were an usher at Tuts, and you, yeah, and you told me it's the best because I because I, I walked up to you and I don't think we had ever officially met, but I'd seen your face, I knew I knew your name with the face, which is creepy, I know, but um, <laughs> uh, it was in the boys' bathroom in one of the stalls. But anyway, uh, I I walked up to you and I introduced myself and 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 you back and you were very kind and receptive but you said this is the best way for theater teachers to see theater um it, because i th- i don't think you're paid it's a voluntary position or voluntary right. position right but you get right. paid by being able to stay and see the show i mean that's kind of your you don't have to pay yeah. for the show right so uh this was i was uh ushering the year leading up to covid yeah and uh the season at the hobby center was fantastic. And yeah, that's what it is. You do a, you do a, a, an orientation meeting and they tell you a couple of things that you have to have. Like you got to have like a little pocket flashlight and you have to have a black suit and a black tie and a white shirt. Cause that's the uniform. Uh, but then you sign up on a schedule and when these shows come to town, Broadway across America or tuts both, uh, they'll, they'll have multiple performances in the space, right? They'll, they'll move in. Right. And if it's a big show, uh, like Aladdin, I think Aladdin was there for like three weeks. Uh, and so I, I got to see all these shows. So you have your assignment, right? You're handing out programs or you're telling people where to go. You're checking tickets at the door and then you miss the first two to three minutes of the act. And that's it. If you want to stay, they have places for you to sit throughout the theater where you're not in anyone's way, but you're getting it for free. And I'm thinking as a theater teacher who is, you know, admittedly on a limited salary how great is that that i got to see dear evan hansen three times yeah. when it came to houston i got to you know watch the first time for the impression and the second time for the tech and the third time for the acting moments like what a gift that was to me yeah as a theater person i saw aladdin a couple of times in fact uh one of my favorite stories of being an usher at the hobby was we were in the middle of a performance of aladdin and there was a scene change and they had these these sort of floating knife track uh, driven set pieces that would like float out on the stage and change places with each other. And uh, one of them malfunctioned. They're right in the middle of the scene. And I've always been told, hey, as an actor, you just keep going. Right. But at a certain point, the stage manager called a hold. And all the actors, you could see them perk up and then they just ducked off stage and then the curtain shut. And this is in the middle of a professional performance, right? I had never seen that happen. And somebody, I don't know who, got on the the God mic or whatever you want to call it and said, technical difficulties, we'll be back as soon as possible. And they reset and they fix the thing. And then all the actors pop back out on stage, the lights come up, and they just keep going. I had never considered that as an option when I've produced a show. Yeah. Do you think it was a w- safety thing? That's why? I, I don't know. I yeah. mean, maybe they couldn't have gotten that set piece back off the stage. Maybe the motor died or was disconnected or something. But, you know, you and I have both been in this world of 
one act play and it's 40 minutes and it's do or die and everything has to go right. And if it goes wrong, you just keep going because you can't go a second over 40 minutes. Uh, and that sort of has filtered into every other aspect of my directing, but like it doesn't have to. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a big moment for me to realize, you know, we did a, we did a musical at my current school this year. We did uh, Putnam County spelling bee. And there were a couple of technical elements that we were depending on. And I, I told the stage manager first time I've ever said this, that uh, if something goes wrong, you can call a hold. We can close the curtain. We can, you know, reset. Uh, anyway, it was just, uh, you know, yeah. you do this for so many years, but you still learn things. Yeah, hobby, I, hobby was a lot of fun. And then it, it went right into, I was about to see Hamilton. They were coming in that March when the whole world shut down yeah. in 2020. Was it 2020? Yep, 20, that's right, 2020, yeah. 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 I was at the rodeo, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. literally being sh like, it was like being in a movie where people were arm in arm and just walking and as, so that you would just go out the exit. Yeah. Like yeah. shutting it down right shutting now. Shutting it down. We're shutting oh, it down. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. March 11th, 2020. That's what it was. So, uh, yeah. I don't remember dates like that usually, but I remember that very well. So, yeah, um, no, that's, that stands out for sure. So you, uh, with this whole thing, I, I've had lots of talks, uh, about one act play, right? And one of the arguments about one act play and a uh, variety of opinions on this is that it's like one of the few things that um, you coach your kids and then you just let them go and uh, you're hands off, right? And which is completely opposite from what we're always compared to, which is a sporting event where a coach can call a timeout, a coach is yelling from the sidelines, you know, yeah. telling their kids what to do, uh, checking in with kids as they go. Um, but we as theater teachers, we're now trained to say, here's six to eight weeks of practice, rehearsal, and once we get to the game, we can't talk to you. I, uh, I've never thought of it that way yeah. because, yeah, of course a coach can – call a timeout or can yell at his people yeah. to fix something and we don't get to. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. when you just talked about the Aladdin thing, uh, it's like, I wonder if that would ever be considered to be like, you get one timeout. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. For the whole show, <laughs> you know, it better be worth it. Right. You get a, you get a, you get a 60 second, uh, you call, you call a hold, you go up on stage, get the kids to circle up real fast and be like, hey, guys, <laughs> all right, we're running 30 seconds over time. Cut this part out. Go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would just huh. be interesting to do that. But uh, anyway, I digress. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever been to a show where something went wrong that they didn't intend? Not on that level. Um, yeah. But I have been a – well, actually, I don't know if I've ever been to one that wasn't labeled a preview. Um, you know, because the, uh, the previews always reserve the right to say, right. That we're not officially open. Uh, I do remember when I was at, uh, HSPVA, uh, in the nineties, we had to, we were required to go to four university of Houston shows a year. And they took us there. It wasn't like we had to find our way. Um, it was a field trip pretty much. And we went, we always went to the preview performances of these shows, kind of like a, a little collaboration between the two places. And one of those shows was a show called Coyote Goes Salmon Fishing. And it's <laughs> and it starred Ilyich Gordiola, who has gone on to infamy. 
um, in this city. Uh, and uh, I remember it well. But anyway, they had a technical element that was not executing the way that I guess they expected it to, and they, they held. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been to couple main street theater thing you know where they where they where they hold the show but it's um safety it's safety related usually it's not because like you know this light's not turning on or the lamp is out or something you know that kind of thing yeah well i mean that that was just the first time that i experienced it i'm sure it was it was something to do with actor safety or whatever it just opened my brain up to um we are more in control of what we're doing than yeah maybe we give ourselves credit What's a what's a show that you didn't have high expectations for and ended up leaving uh, thinking it was one of the greatest things you've ever seen? And it doesn't have to be a touch thing or. or oh, you or, mean a thing that I've seen? Yeah, or the yeah. Thing some, that I've directed. Okay. Or, well, or, let's do both. Let's do uh, top ten. No, I'm kidding. Don't do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How much time you got? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first the first memory that comes to mind, I was sixteen. And my parents wanted us to have some sort of a vacation, but, you know, times can be tough, right? I was never rich kid. Um, but, but dad said, let's go, let's go see some shows. So we just got in a car and we drove to Dallas and we caught what I see. I don't, I don't remember the details cause I was just sort of an unaware teenager, but I think it was a touring production of Les Mis and it was the first time I had ever just completely not known what was going to happen when I went into the theater. Like I'd seen some plays, I'd been in some musicals, I had actually, you know, had a couple of pretty decent parts in in shows. But when we watched Les Mis, it's a it's through scored, right? So every word is sung, and there were a couple of moments where these these characters were just. Um, what do I say? Like they, the actors were just so into these moments that it was the first time that it really grabbed me and made me feel what they were feeling. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I want to do this. Like, I want to be part of this. I don't even know what that means. Right. But like, however I can be a part of it, I want to be part of it. So that was like a big deal for me. And I, uh, Les Mis, there's this one character who, uh, she's pining after uh, Marius and I'm bad with names. You have to know this about me. Uh, but it's the girl. It's not, is it Cosette? Yeah, it's Cosette. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's not Eponine because that's who Marius ends up with. Right. Yeah. It's Cosette. And she sings this song on my own where she is just on the stage on her knees, pillar of light just on her. And she's, it's just all emotion. And I started crying there and I, I sort of, got over it during intermission but whenever the second act started i just like kept on just weeping right like involuntarily i was so into it uh it was a really transformative experience for me as a director a few years ago this was uh this would have been 2016 2017 i was in uh, leander isd in austin and i got the opportunity to open a high school so at the time it was 4A. We were projected to be 6A. I think they are now. Uh, and uh, I had a very small program, just freshmen and sophomores. We didn't have a lot. We didn't have any resources. We had a little bit of a budget that was given to us as a startup by the district. Uh, and I picked a tiny little show, a little four-person show, uh, Proof, which 
there's been a movie version, right? Like that's that's where I knew the show from. But I figured that I had four or five good actors among the thirty or forty kids that I had, uh, and we worked that up, and we kept it really simple. It was minimal set design. I, I mean, if I can brag about myself, I did an excellent job casting because half of what those kids did on stage I didn't teach. They just knew how to be those characters, uh, and we won district. And then we came in second in by district. We won area. We came in second in region and we went to state, right? Like this is, this is a brand new school with no resources. These kids are wearing their own clothing on their own back, but they are embodying these characters. And this was a time, mind you, when you couldn't just have a company of 24. Like if your cast was four, then you can have four plus your alternates. Uh, right. You know, with for all the technical side of things, so it was a struggle. We got to state. We were so excited, and we got dead last, <laughs> eight out of eight at state. But uh, we talked about Luis Munoz earlier. He pulled me aside and he's like, "Hey, I just want you to know, like, this is a really special thing that you guys have done." He goes, "I don't think anyone has done this uh, with a brand new school like this, only freshmen and sophomores, in about twenty years." So I went home that night and quoted him on my resume. Like that that quote is still on my resume because that feels like a pretty big deal. And yeah. I, I loved the play. The kids were so good at it. Um, it, was, it was one of the highlights of my professional career, I right. think, for sure. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that about it. Yeah. So that was at the 4A level? 4A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Was, was 6A a thing yet? Or? 6A had just become okay. a thing. Okay. Uh, two years before that, I had been at Deer Park, yeah. and we took a show to state called Drowning Girls, uh, and I wasn't really part of that other than I was just sitting there with my jaw open going, wow, these, you know, Kelly Lawrence and Ryan Heitzman are amazing, Yeah, the work that they do. Uh, but I learned a lot, right? I took a lot of notes, and that was the last year of 5A, because that was a 5A show. That's all I remember. So that was like, I think 2014, 2013, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. And this was a few years after that, but I, you know, I was trying to take what I had learned and right. what did they say? Stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Yeah. Um, I guess that's what they say. I don't know. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't asked them recently. Who's, who's they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. I would love, like when, when we die and go off to wherever we're supposed to go, I hope we meet them. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I, I also, Okay. If we're going to go there, I also want the district yeah. to pay for my funeral. <laughs> like, there's no budget line for the district. Oh, the district is going to take care of that. Yeah. But we all talk about that all the time. Well, doesn't the district pay for our bus? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't the district pay our insurance fee? Who's the district? Well, I also like um, one of the things, and I, uh, names will not be said, even though I know the names <laughs> I want to say, but uh, one of my favorite administrators of all time, uh, when approached with problems that they weren't equipped to solve, would say that's a that's a campus issue. Um, you know that was their that was their yeah that was their go to swerve. Stepped, stepped right around that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even um, if it was you know what show should I choose? Nah, you don't want to talk about favorite or dare I say least favorite administrators? Uh, well, I can talk about favorites. <laughs> 
Avi Gla- Philip Taylor, Marlene no. Hammerly. Uh, nobody, yeah. nobody wants to hear the favorites. Come you know, on. okay. So full disclosure, I'm in a I'm in a playwriting class right now for uh, yet a se- if I had hair, I'd flip it. Yet a second master's degree, and um, I can flip little mustache hairs. But yeah, uh, but yeah, <laughs> twirl it. I need, I'm not there yet. I'm not at G- Gino at Techland. Like, can just grow a mustache, yeah. and curl it like tomorrow. He could shave God, it today. Shout out to Gino yeah. for sure. Anyway, I know exactly who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Gino's amazing. But, uh, but anyway, I'm I'm in this playwriting class at Commerce, um, and the play I'm writing is about why I left Dulles, and has to ah. do with an administrator and stuff. And so, um, you know. We'll see if that. Uh, I, obviously, I didn't use the names. Uh, yeah, but, uh, no. But well, yeah. and I would, I would never use names or specifics either. But I have at least one administrator uh, deep in my past that, if I had the opportunity to burn his house down today, <laughs> I, I might. Yeah, I might consider. I might listen to the plan. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, yeah, like Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> like, like I, I'm not going to buy in until you, you know. Uh, really yeah. you got to really sell me on that yeah one of my favorite movies yeah i i mean i don't know i think i've been rather blessed with administrators uh, uh there's just one <clears throat> what's crazy is that that one the reason i really the one of the main reasons i left dulles uh that administrator ended up leaving the year later and Corey Stewart, who I absolutely adore, who was an AP at the time, ended up taking over as the principal. And so I, I happened to just coincidentally be at a bar where there were some former coaches and stuff from Dulles. And they were like, you dumbass, <laughs> you should have stayed. One, you <laughs> you left stayed. too soon. Yeah. Yeah. One more yeah. year. If you'd given up, you know, just held on for one more year, you, you would have gotten Corey Stewart. And, you know, which they're right, but also at the same time, I'm not upset with my decision. So. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I I have been in a couple of situations in my career without going into specifics that yeah. merited me leaving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I understand as a theater teacher, I am not the top of the totem pole, right? right. So, uh, you you have two choices. Once you know that an administrator is not your fan, uh, you can you can go a couple of different ways and one of those ways is to stay and to fight for that job for the kids and another way is to say you know this person doesn't want me here why why would I fight to stay here and yep. work with that person right yep. so I I like to think that life kind of shows you where you're going and you just have to be alert enough to follow that I don't I don't know that I am as much in charge of those decisions I feel like I'm more responsible for reacting in an appropriate way to those situations. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't give me full power or authority to, you know, overrule somebody. Right. And I'm, I'm not an activist. I'm a, I'm a pacifist. You're a Dodgers you know, fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the totem pole thing I used to tell my students, cause they'd be like, man, you know, I'm not the, like when they talk about sports or something, I'm not the, big man on the on the totem pole or the top of the totem pole and i used to say hey man if you're the bottom of the totem pole and you move that whole thing's coming crashing down so uh they're gonna know yeah they're gonna know when you're gone so don't don't yeah. don't sell yourself short for being lower on the totem pole than 
you know, somebody else, but, but I get you. I mean, I understand the analogy. So I, I enjoy the power that I do have, you know, and I, I try to, I try to magnify that as much as I can. Yeah. So like I get to, I get to pick the shows. I get to pick the cast. I get to, you know, pick the kids that I love and I hate, and I get to, uh, you know, schedule things. I, most of my career as a theater teacher, I've been an auditorium manager, right? right? So like usually everyone on campus has to come through me to get permission to be in there for any amount of time. Uh, and I'm, I'm sometimes drunk on the power. Right. Right. And, and they don't call it a theater company for nothing. You know, it's right. You, you're literally, it's a, it is your own company that you're running. So yeah. Yeah. Even if you're, and I, have, spot. I have to keep unpaid employees yeah. happy. Yeah. 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 So, I was just, I was just about to make that kind of, uh, so statement. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, even if you are imploring, uh, students to work for, uh, concession stand snacks. Yeah. Well, and, and let's talk about this too, because I think that this is a conversation that more theater teachers could have. Yeah. Um, I have been around a lot of theater teachers that really, uh, take pride in the fact that they spend exorbitant yeah. oh. amounts of time at school weekends holidays uh recently i had a run-in with a co-worker who wanted to work all through spring break now granted we were advancing we were going to you know by district when i play or whatever but i i have a life outside of theater yeah. too so whereas there was a part of me for a time that Loved to be first one in the building, last one out. I'm there on Saturday. If you check during the holiday and my car's out there, you can come in and help me. That kind of a I'm not that guy anymore. Right. And and I you know, I've even heard directors brag about how they they uh spent their entire theater stipend yeah. on a show. Yeah. And I just I I have a hard time being okay with that. I yeah. want us all to stop the overwork and the the, the badge of honor. And, you know, we put up a decent one-act play this year. We didn't advance, right? It's not my best work. Uh, but the kids had a good experience, and we literally did not spend one weekend at the school yeah. getting ready for that show. We did Monday through Thursday rehearsals. I think we had a couple of Fridays, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've done that. Like, even at that uh, school that I opened, we did that. We never came in on a weekend. We layered in tech. We didn't have a 12-hour Saturday tech rehearsal with two meals. We we layered in tech as it was ready. Uh, the show was ready and it was good and it went to state. So I I don't I don't think that we have to do all that extra work. Yeah. Uh some people love to talk about how much work they're doing though. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to do it. It's another thing to martyr yourself and to, uh, and I literally right before we got on this call, somebody, some, oh, somebody posted a picture of them in London in front of something, either the big wheel or giant eye or whatever it's called, you know, the, the, the great godly eyeball, whatever yeah. the thing, you know, yeah. the Ferris wheel. And, um, uh, and somebody replied, oh, I loved, uh, or, or something, something, oh man, now I'm not even being eloquent enough, but it was, it was a, it was a backwards way of saying I've been there, um, and turning it back to me, uh, okay. you know, that, I, and that wasn't very eloquent in, in how I explain that, but it drives me crazy. And I, and I talk to my wife about this all the time because my mother-in-law does this. Right. And my wife says, it's her way of relating. It's her way of saying, you know, like, let's have a conversation yeah. about it. Right. Which is fine. Maybe that's true. 
But for theater teachers to go along with your point, because this is your show, not mine. Um, <laughs> it's called Gauge Wisdom. Uh, but, oh, no. uh, yeah. Uh, but the, there is this martyrdom element of, um, I spent all of my time during spring break up at school working on the show, or we did a 10 out of 12, or we did a, we, we had a lock-in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or all these different things that are the same thing. And I just worked out a lock-in. Yeah. Je- Jessica Swafford at Travis high school, who I, I think the world of, uh, has always been a smarter, not harder, um, type of person. And she's done relatively well. Like, I mean, she hasn't won state, but she also doesn't expect to, and her kids don't, they just expect to put on good shows, you know? And, um, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. And, and, uh, while I already forgot the, the point that I was just about to make, yeah, smarter, not harder. Uh, but also uh, it reminds me of another conversation you frequently see, uh, I, I love to log on to you know the various Facebook pages that I'm a member of, and you see one director say something like, uh, and you can probably finish this for me. Like we could probably improv this. Yeah. If you want. <laughs> one director says, uh, I was so grateful to finally get my kids on stage for two rehearsals before one yeah. act play contest. Yeah. To which someone will reply. Oh, you got two? I only I, I haven't even had a rehearsal yet. <laughs> and then a third person chimes in with, Oh, you guys have access to the stage. Yeah, oh that too. <laughs> oh, you guys have lights? Yeah. I don't even know what show I'm doing yet. My cast is all failing. Yeah. And it's like we're trying to out martyr each other. Yes. Yeah. I don't That's I don't know if there's anything substantive that can be gained from that. It is it is here's what it is. And 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 I don't wanna like uh, necessarily make light of this, but these people are, are lonely. I think I, <laughs> I, I mean, or, or, or they're, you know, I'm very fortunate that my wife is a theater person. And so when I come home yeah. with this, this ellipsoidal, I don't ever say that I would never come home and bitch about an ellipsoidal, <laughs> but you know, if I were to use a theater term, she yeah. would completely understand. And you know, uh, these, these elements, you know, these kids weren't hitting their objectives, blah, 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 blah. Right. She would understand, but there are more than not teachers out there that go home to somebody that it falls on deaf ears because they have right. no idea what you're talking about. Right. Uh, Cause our left is our right and our right is our left. And what, you know, we're not Jewish. We don't read Hebrew. So I don't know what you're saying. We're, you know, we're the weirdos. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe it's, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but maybe it's that, maybe it's that they don't have anyone else that they can relate to, but yeah, but yes, there are a lot of them. And if you're interested in meeting more, come to T-Tech in January. (laughs) 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 Okay. So here's another, here's another pet peeve of mine. And please tell me, like I, I, let me flip this and be the interviewer for a minute. Okay, sure. So there's, there's also quite a few people out there that will log on to, oh, let's just say as an example, the UIL One Act Play Directors page. Yeah, for an example, and, hypothetically. And we'll, and we'll say things like, I really need a dark comedy with two boys and four <laughs> girls and go. Yeah. And I, for a while, I was the asshole who would say things like, hey, you should try reading some plays. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or I would send a link on dramatist.com yeah. that was like two men and four women dark comedies. And I'm like, <laughs> you could have done this. Uh, yeah. So 
I, I guess the argument, like, what is the argument? Why, why are you a theater teacher if you have never read anything right. or, or do not consider that as an option for learning? Like, don't you need to read if you're going to be in part of this art form that yeah. we're creating? Uh, again, I'm going to just pretend to defend it. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't necessarily believe in what I'm about to say. Um, <laughs> but, uh, maybe they that one of two things maybe maybe they're looking for a cut already because i will say it is difficult to cut you know a full length to a 40 minute show i i'm no good at it um and i was told as such by quite a few clinicians but uh, <laughs> it's getting harder to do by the way oh i know days. i know that's that whole thing yeah. is a whole nother situation but but the other thing is that maybe um maybe they did look and they just didn't find something that really they enjoyed. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Probably not. But it's it is an easier. It's a new mindset. You know, you there are a couple of older theater teachers that just don't know how to spell Google. Uh, but there are also <laughs> new theater teachers that don't realize you can go to the publisher's website and they have you know like Sam French or whatever we're calling them today. They have a pretty good search engine, right? Their own search. You can narrow things down. Um, and, and I think all of them have something to that extent. I know MTI does, but, uh, maybe they just don't know that it exists. I don't know. So, so this is, so this is then my problem. This, so educators I should very, educate themselves. I'm a very yeah. impatient person, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm also kind of old. I'm 47. Wow. Okay. I'm going to turn 48 later this year. Oh. Been around this planet a minute. Uh, anyone who is younger than me should know that they have access to the entire collective knowledge of the human race on their phone. Yeah. And they don't need to ask me things like, where can I find a play that blah, if, blah, blah. They need, cause all I'm going to do, if you ask me is I'm going to Google it. Yeah. Right. Do the work so, for them. That's what they want. Well, though. Why do people, they want, yeah, they want, maybe you, to that's do that. it. They that, want you to do it. For if, them. if they can figure out how to post to a private specific niche facebook page yeah they can probably figure out how to search for a play also so, for almost 48 huh you don't you don't look a day over 47 so uh <laughs> i mean you're just Shucks. hitting that <laughs> listen i'll pay you it's fine um but like you know i also keep all of my cuttings for anything that i've ever done so yeah. i have this growing and and even shows that i haven't done yet that i was cutting and thinking about right yeah so I have a, a big folder full of these shows with cuttings that I have either had success with or oh may do one day. And, and I, I freely give them out, Yeah. but I don't know. I don't know if this should be part of the podcast, but there's well, part of me that says, I love when someone takes my cutting, but is less successful. Yeah. 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 Well, that's just a conversation between the two of us. So nobody heard that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nobody heard that. Uh, but I do, I do love to share. I feel like that comes back, right? So, yeah. like, if I have a, a prop piece or a, a set thing, a set element, or a, a script that's going to help somebody else, I'm absolutely willing to give that because I would expect the same in return. You know, right. so that's that's also real. I just I want everyone to to be fair and square, but I also want to beat the pants off of everyone. If yeah. we're talking about competition, right? Here's here's the thing about script sharing, and I'm a hundred percent on board with it. Uh, I think actually it should be a thing and, 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 you know, the parent share script share, whatever it's called. But <laughs> I do know of some educators uh, who again shall remain nameless that 
ask, you know, they'll say, Hey, Neil, do you have, uh, you can't take it with you. Do you have it cut down to 40 minutes? Uh, sure. Here it is, Blake. You give it to me and boom, transaction done. They don't go get the rights. They think because they got the script uh, from you that they're all good. And I've had that issue as a contest manager where somebody says, no, I got this cutting from, you know, Neil Gage, you gave it to me. Uh, did, did I, was I supposed to get, doesn't he have the, no, that's, uh, that's not like that I works. just have the rights in for, perpetuity yeah yeah you and neil simon are in bed together yeah um there are some people functioning in our space that are just unaware of some of the unspoken and even spoken and written rules and and laws pertaining to all of them no they're they're written rules they're just again (laughs) uh i can speak on this a little bit because of my time at uh now as an as an adjunct teaching future theater teachers they really don't know a lot there's there, and mm. basic stuff. You know, it's kind of like when we were kids, we literally had a week on how to write a check, you know, um, and, yeah. and, and they don't get that, those kind of details anymore. Did you get fake married in class and have to yeah. find a job and set up a budget and all of that kind uh, of stuff? I actually, the reason I live in a uh, studio apartment is because I'm still doing fake child support. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but okay. <laughs> now, yeah, we, we, we got, yeah. uh, yes, we had, I don't know, remember if we had fake marriages, but we had like, um, partnerships, uh, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Like where you had to, where you had to work together to create, you lived with the person or you were roommates or yeah. something, you know, we did that. Yeah. Our, our econ teacher would like roll dice and like deliver unfortunate <laughs> news to random couples during the class period. Like it was awful. But looking back, it was probably the best education I had on money. <laughs> wow, hey, best yeah, that's uh, that's really funny. Uh, uh, I don't know where to go with that one. <laughs> I don't either. Did, did anybody end up hooking up? I mean, like, I mean, like, what? Or, no, oh, okay. like, uh, I mean, there was, you know, we had an uneven number of girls and boys, so there were a couple oh. of, and we're talking early '90s yeah. in Orange, Texas. Like, there were some scandalous. Uh, you know, uh, homosexual yeah. relationships. Uh, but it was fun. It was eye-opening. Uh, going back to what we were talking about with like uh, cutting plays, I, I get it from the author's viewpoint of saying, I don't trust you to cut the work that I created. Like, I, I really feel that. I uh, just, you know, a little humble flex. I, a couple of years ago, I did a Sam Shepard play uh, called Lie of the Mind for one act. And that was difficult to cut because it's like two hours of stream of consciousness yeah. of this guy who's slowly going crazy. Uh, but I cut it. We got it down. We, we advanced to by district. Uh, we were alternate to area. Uh, but one of the one of the best compliments I got was from one of the judges. He's like, I've never seen a cutting of Sam Shepard that still felt like Sam Shepard. You know, so there is definitely and I don't always get it right either, but there's definitely an art to how you cut and whole characters are gone or, you know, locations and things like that. But I, I feel like we're, we're trending toward a world where we're all going to have to go back to purchasing the rights to a one act yes. play. Yeah, that's exactly right. So people like people that do their own work, like Mandy uh, Connor, Mandy Connor yeah. who yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, and I'll even throw Don Zelitis in there because yeah. I've done a couple of his shows over the years. Uh, they're prolific and, and they do good stuff. I, uh, 
it's funny because right now I'm over at my in-laws house, well, my future in-laws house. Uh, and I took some time over the, the first couple of days of spring break to write the rough draft of a one act play that I would like to produce, you know, sort of based on my life or whatever. Uh, and uh, I'm lucky enough to have a brilliant and also smoking hot fiance who's an English teacher and yeah. has worked in, you know, uh, newspapers has been a journalist she teaches yearbooks she's she's really great uh and i so i hand this really piece of crap rough draft <laughs> over to her and and so she's taking a pass at it and we're we're going to write it together and i'm i'm really kind of looking forward to what comes out of that you know yeah. and and also uh potentially being able to sell rights to that to other people to tell that story too like that that sounds like a really cool journey yeah that is cool that i appreciate you throwing out the smoking hot part too Oh, she is smoking hot. Let me tell you, I have never been more uh, unrelentingly attracted to anyone in my life. And, and so, this is this is the person you tried to avoid, right? That you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. No, I moved to LA yeah. to avoid her because there's no way that I'm going to end up with her. And look at me, I'm back in Texas, yeah. and we're getting married July 29th. Wow, so, nice. Uh, uh, yeah, it's 11 I'm, days after my anniversary. So. Uh, well, that's why we did it. Yeah. Well, I assume you know, give you a week or so. It, to in, come down in two weeks i'm flying out to actually the week this might come out but i don't uh, uh, i haven't done the math but uh i'm flying out to uh maryland to uh my cousin's wedding it's uh, his wedding's on april 1st <clears throat> this guy i love <laughs> his name's tc or he, he goes that's his initials but we call him tc anyway he i was like tc why'd you choose april 1st he goes because it's a i've got a built-in excuse like yeah. <laughs> if I if I forget my anniversary, I'm like gotcha. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I was like, wow, that's pretty good. I, All right, I love that more than I should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured you would. So uh, um, <laughs> the I I gotta ask because uh, the, I want to circle back to the Mormon thing real fast. Yeah, please do. Uh, because when I was at Dulles, Dulles is surrounded by a Mormon community, and uh, uh, Latter Day Saints Church is out there, and. Yep. Um, and so we had a lot of Mormon students, right? Which yeah. unfortunately uh, uh, sort of controlled a little bit of the narrative of what we could tell, the stories we could tell on our stage. Now, we tried to do Heathers, right? And mind you, Heathers is a tough one, regardless of religious background or anything like that. Like, it's just a tough musical for high school uh no matter what. It's on my bucket list. Yeah. So yes, please continue. And, and so we got, we bought the rights. We got approved by our administration. Everything was perfect. We were ready to do it. It was designed, cast, everything. <clears throat> and then the Mormon community came in and said, mm. um, not in our house, you know. Uh, and so we ended up switching. Now, the beauty of it, and I think I've told the story on here before, is, you know, they didn't want to do Heather's because of the content. Uh, suicidal things, drug paraphernalia, yep. all, you know. Dead gay son. Yeah, 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 yep. dead gay son. So we, we went onto the MTI website, and we were like, what, what can we do, man? Because we, we told uh, the MTI, we told M the MTI, it's not the, the Ohio State. We told MTI that. You told uh, them. I told them. <laughs> I told them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, that that we couldn't do it anymore, and they just said, well, just use the money for one of our other shows in our library, right? So we chose. So you did Spring Awakening. No, so <laughs> we should have, but we chose Zombie Prom, and oh. you know, although Zombie Prom is, it's as my friend always tells me. So this zombie doesn't eat people, 
and he still yeah. lives. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, don't worry about it. It's musical, you know. Anyway, but he, the thing is, is he turns into a zombie by committing suicide or trying to commit suicide, unsuccessfully commit suicide. He jumps into a a a, a vat of nuclear waste because he, the girl he loves, doesn't love him back, which is Heather's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we ended up doing this musical. Nobody caught on. That, oh my god! You know, but it's it was, zombies, so it's campy. It was it's cute. not real anymore. It was, it was, you know, it was uh, grease, but he had green makeup on, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so you you mentioned that you know you grew up, you did your mission, all this yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, as as an artist, then, uh, how did that kind of like uh to control your life and you even said your parents were theater people too so yeah. i mean like wh- what kind of stuff so, was okay so you know within within any uh religious community there's a spectrum of people right so there's like the hardliners that are by the book every single rule and then there's the ones that are there in name only and there's everything in between so my family was somewhere in the middle um in the 90s if you were a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, there were things in your life that you would say normally like, oh, no, I don't I don't drink any caffeine. I can't have that Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper. Uh, please don't cuss in front of me. It's offensive. Um, I would detach myself from potential relationships because they weren't also of the same faith as me, and I just I needed to let that go because I'm preparing for a, a mission and, uh, you know, a, a, a church marriage later on. So, so there was that, uh, but then some of that stuff, my parents said, you know what, fuck it. We're going to, we're going to go be theater people. Right. And so I got, I think I got a healthy balance of the two. Um, and, and my views on, on Mormonism and, and why I left, that's a whole other podcast yeah, yeah. on a whole, yeah. on a whole other thing. Uh, but I also do remember being at Brigham Young University, which was founded by the second president of the church. Um, even within the theater, uh, major people that I was around all the time. So I was, I was a film major. I wasn't a theater major, but like, you know, we intermingled. I, I was around people that were going to be famous later. Uh, is this where I name drop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now. Okay. So we said at the 53rd minute, you would start dropping some names. Who said that? Uh, Jared, Jared Hess was a friend of mine. He was the guy that wrote and directed Napoleon Dynamite. So I saw those guys around that facility. I knew a girl, I can't remember her name, but she had had, uh, a Halloween style spooky movie that she did for Disney where she was a lead cute girl. Uh, she played young. So like, you know, she was in college, but she looked like 14, 15, which I'm sure is why she got the part. Um, and I remember telling some people at a certain point, hey, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to I'm going to move to L.A. and go work in the movies. And people it's like the whole room stops. You hear the record needle scratch and they go, you don't want to be part of that, do you? So it's like we're all there and we're pretending like we want to be part of it. But then when it comes down to it, I, I don't know what that meant. Are we only supposed to be willing to accept work from church sponsored videos and plays because that seemed real restrictive to me as a person. I want to explore things outside of those boundaries. I've always been a non-joiner. If if I tell you I want to do something and you say no, don't do it. Now I want to do it double. You know, like I, I want to I want to go against you just to buck the system. So I I think what I learned 
was that I was always destined to leave any kind of a controlling, uh, do I want to say coercive group? Uh, but there was definitely a, an agenda yeah. among the, the more religious uh, believers. And I just, I eventually found that that wasn't, that wasn't right for me creatively because it stifled me. Right. Uh, for instance, I, I wanted to do a, this little silly silent movie uh, as my freshman project, which was about a, a guy's running through the forest and then you see he's being chased and then they catch up to each other and there's a scuffle and a gun pops out and they're reaching for the gun. And then the gun skids into uh, the river and then they're both like, well, that's it. And it just sort of abruptly ends. Right. But it was about the sequencing and like the chase scene and all of that. Uh, I had faculty members ask me if I felt like that a gun was necessary. <laughs> You know, so so like I would advertise if I had a casting call, I would say things like, "I want, I want you guys to know that we are not doing this as a project for school. Like this is a private project because I wanted people to know there was a little bit more freedom there. I, I right. just wanted always the creative freedom. Right. And now I'm I'm in a place where, yeah, I can do a I can do Heather's. I could do a a dog sees God. Yeah. Uh, I can do a Sam Shepard play that doesn't really conclude and is never happy right like because i want to explore that too the play that we're writing about right now is it it largely revolves around a central character who has uh, lost a brother to suicide and a mother to alzheimer's which is big chunks of my life right like i feel like i would be cautioned against exploring that if i was in a religious environment so right. i just i feel like that's a place that i've i've grown out of and i want to move i want to move forward past yeah was that the question you asked at all, or did I just ramble? Yes. Um, so, <laughs> so, welcome to no, my brain. It, it, well, first of all, it's an audio podcast, so if you sat here and just went radio silent, it wouldn't be very entertaining. So, right, yeah, we're talking. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think that is the point. Um, and and my father always used to tell me, uh, "Son, um, no amount of talking is too much talking." Uh, so yeah, I don't, I mean, he was an old okay. radio guy, so I think that had to do something with it. And that's why I have such a beautifully monotone set of pipes is <laughs> thanks to my father. You uh, have an excellent voice. It's good for radio. Oh, that I know, but that's about it. That's where the talent ends. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, BK told me, BK Goodman told me, uh, uh, Blake, your monotone voice is part of your charm. <laughs> it's like, well... <laughs> Well, no, even like, you know, in the, in the brief interactions we've had, sometimes yeah. the jokes that you tell are in that monotone. And if I wasn't listening, yeah. I wasn't going to catch it. it. All... And so I, yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you know, you. I love to single out the people that aren't listening. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that in class. Have oh, you yeah. done that in class? Oh yeah. I'll say something really, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into the details of this either, but as a technical director, if I'm teaching a kid how to accurately uh wring the paint out of a paint roller yeah yeah, yeah. uh i can say it in such a way that's going to catch a teenager's attention oh, yeah if they're listening yeah and then i can still turn around and say what what do you think i meant yeah the <laughs> the the uh most of my technicians of where i am now are, are girls and mm. so we invested in a paint roller like this thing that you put the paint roller on and then you like push it and it just spins real fast and it Stop. all the paint goes off the paint, the roller. 
<clears throat> it's amazing. They sell they sell that on other sites too. Yeah, know? they sell it on other sites, but I will tell you, <laughs> it is a lot easier to to not create an awkward situation by saying just put the paint roll on here and then just run the water and, and go instead yeah. of the whole here's how you if you just have your hands here's how you yeah. take care of this thing grip it at the base yeah, yeah. it's not um not something that i uh, at the moment i'd like to keep my job let's re-explore that in may <laughs> but um we'll, we'll okay see. that's fair <laughs> so yeah there are a lot you know <clears throat> it will maybe we'll end on this i don't know but there are so many because of that's what she said, there's so many places that I would venture to guess your mind and my mind does go during class when you're when you're talking about the most innocent and mundane things. Right. Um, but like even in my tech classes now, I tell them all the time, I'm like, guys, I've over my almost 15 year career as an educator, I've had to change how I speak to you guys because watch, and I say, and I say, watch this, guys. Will, you, will one of you hand me the wood right there? And they start, <laughs> they start snickering. And yeah. I'm like, see, exactly. So I have to say, hand me that two by four. Hand me that lumber. I can't ever say wood, wood. or yeah. or hey, you got to screw harder. Like you can't say that. <laughs> right, right. You got to put more pressure on the screw. And so, uh, so it has completely changed, maybe for the better. Uh, in a, uh, in some instances, how you approach, you know, the, the terminology, but I think go, well, I was just going to say, I, I think that I, I hope this is true for every career. Cause I feel it's true for mine. Um, I, I want to stay in that space where I am learning and growing. You know, I used to, I used to say real derogatory things about, uh, alternative lifestyles, Mm-hmm. or you know other people not because i hated them but just because that's what i had heard growing up and yeah. I, I train that stuff out of me and i try to be open to okay this is this is how we do things now uh a big thing for me right now is i, I really want to be better about honoring people's uh chosen names and pronouns which is a thing that i I had never really come into contact with until probably three, four years ago. So I, th- I think it's good to be in that place where like, yeah, I can recognize the humor in how I used to say it, but I'm also recognizing how to treat that situation or that phrasing from, from here forward, because that's part of it, right? Like the kids are changing. I'm changing. We're all evolving. It's not going to be like it was 18 years ago when I started teaching, right? It's going to be different now. And it's up to me to, to, to figure that out and to be ready for that. Minor Wisdom.